So it's the end of the year. It's one last party. It's what started in Thanksgiving with the, with the, uh, the run of, hey, Thanksgiving's a party, right? You eat probably more than you should, and then have times with family. And then it goes into all the Christmas season and all the parties, and behold the lamb, that was party-esque, uh, celebrating our Savior, right? And then the Christmas day, of course, Christmas Eve, and then, well, New Year's Eve tonight. So I have to, I have to know how many of you, because I'm still getting to know York, get alone York Alliance. How many of you are going to stay up all night and watch the ball drop? Wow, that's a lot less than I thought. How many of you are like, nine o'clock, baby, I'm in bed. Where's all my young parents? They're like, I can't imagine staying up until midnight. Nine o'clock is the new midnight. How many of you are like, I'm not going to bed till Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, we got one in the back, all right. That's awesome. So yeah, so we all, we go to parties for a reason. We want to enjoy ourselves. That's enjoy, find joy in. That's why we do it. So we're talking about a tale of three parties today. <coughs> Another elephant in the room, why is the dude up front wearing a kilt? Great, <laughs> great question. Uh, because I like it. I like wearing kilts. Um, I am Scottish. This is my great-grandfather came off the boat, and this is my family tartan. Uh, so I, this is not just a costume. This is uh, part of my heritage. Uh, so there's that. Also, and perhaps even greater, uh, he didn't say he did, but Brian dared me to. He said he wouldn't talk to me again if I did. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> Challenge accepted, friend. <laughs> Brian, you know, staff meeting's coming. Let's see how that holds true. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So here's, here's the thing. We all are partiers. Maybe not in the traditional sense that you're thinking, but you and I are partiers. It looks different. We look for joy in different places, but we're all partiers. The issue is, however, that we tend to look for ultimate joy from sources that can't actually provide it. Empty wells. Could be a lot of things. It could be, it's easy to pick on uh, stuff, material things, like I want to find my uh, worth, my value, my joy, my happiness, turn that frown upside down with the new house, with the new clothes, with the gadgets, with the portfolio, da 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 Could be your uh, career, your education, your hard work ethic, lots of things like that, where if I can do this and do that and I can feel good about it at the end of the day, then that's my ultimate source of joy. Could be ministry, whether it's uh, full-time staff or leading a community group or teaching the children or uh, cleaning the toilets or anything in between, leading music. We could, these are good things, but we could look to them for joy that doesn't actually exist in them. Could be relationships, family of origin, your current family, your spouse, your fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend, etc. To give you ultimate joy. Could be parties. Maybe your life is an attempt to go from one party to the next. To get one more, one more hit of dopamine with that, woo! Get the party hardy, wild child. And that's the thing. And perhaps January is quite dark for you. All the parties are done. It's kind of dark outside. Lots of things. And it's not that these are bad things. See, that's what's so sinister about them. So I don't know who said it, but it's been quoted many times, that good things 
become bad things when you make them God things. I'm not nearly smart enough to come up with that on my own. Like that's, someone said that. Good things become bad things when we make them into God things. Well, I'm not sinning. Eh, no, not overtly. But where's your heart? Is it latching on to these things, tangible or otherwise, for ultimate joy? The, uh, the lead pastor at the church that I came from, Steve Marfia, again, I don't know if he said this or he, he was fond of saying this, I'll say. He says, you know, it's crazy. We're invited to a feast of abundance with Jesus, and yet we are drinking out of the toilet down the hall. I appreciate shock value if you haven't figured that out yet. Because you see, the true joy, the lasting joy, is only and can only ever be found in the embrace of the Heavenly Father. That's it. Now, time out. <laughs> We're going to be speaking about and referring to the love of the Heavenly Father frequently this morning. And it would be foolish of me to not acknowledge that it is a hard thing for some of you here. Be it with uh, a father who was just negligent all the way up to and including abusive, what did you, did the mom, did da, 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 like I, I don't want to be ignorant of that reality. So in this pause from the sermon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your story and put it in some kind of a box, a container, and, and put it on your lap, metaphorically, of course. I want you to be gentle with it. Like a carton of eggs you're bringing home from the store. And I want you to imagine that God sits down next to you, and whether he puts his arm around you or, or, or just sits there, consider that he wants to be just as gentle. He knows your story. He knows it. Consider that he might want to be gentle with it. And if that's really very difficult, and, and please don't feel any shame, it's okay to just to be as you are. Okay. We'll call time in on the sermon. We're going to look, of course, at a tale of three parties. We're going to look at all parties that promise joy in some capacity. We're going to look at the YOLO party. We're going to look at a checklist party and a lost and found party. Three parties, all of which promise joy, only one of which actually does. So if you have your Bibles, as Bill. Bill's going to come up and, and read the, uh, the passage for us. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. If you don't have a Bible, the one in the back of the pew, uh, the black book, uh, if you don't have your own or own your own, feel free to take it as our gift to you. Um, it's, we, we, that's, we want to put our money where our mouth is. We believe the Word of God is, is very important. So um, that can be your copy if you would so like. As Asa said, I'll be reading from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, 
with a generous sprinkling of the Bill Jones version. (laughs) To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Hmm. You can tell. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Mmm, toto. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, He said to himself, Please, in English, so we can understand what you're saying. At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, I better write this down so I don't forget what I want to say when I first see him. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant, period. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. The father ran. Go ahead, move your feet. Run, run, get into this. And embraced him. Give him a big hug. Go on, give him a big hug. Go ahead, you can do that. It's okay. You're in church. You can hug people. And kissed him. Mwah, mwah. Go ahead, do it. Mwah, mwah. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Mazeltov. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. To life. Lakayim. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son 
was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, hey, what's going on? Uh, your brother is back? And your father has uh, killed the uh, fattened calf? Uh, we are celebrating because of his safe return? Sorry. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I'll say, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, I'll say, in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering, I say squandering, your money on prostitutes, I won't say that again. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Mm. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was a dead and has come back to life. Look at him. He was lost, but now he is a found. You know, I'm going through the uh, ordination track, and you have to read through the scriptures a couple times. I want you to read it entirely through for me. <laughs> That's what I would like, Bill. <laughs> so a tale of three parties if you've been around the church scene for a while you probably heard of the parable of the prodigal son and if not and you start to become part of the church scene you will <laughs> uh, there's three parties now you might look at this and say well I only see one maybe two parties I look at this and I see three parties first party that I see is the YOLO party now, I have lost all claims on being cool. That's the thing that happens when you become a dad. You trade in your cool card for the dad card. Um, and so YOLO is probably like a 15-year-old phrase that I'm just now catching up on. Anyways, it means you only live once. It's parallel to uh, let's eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Some of you might call it a FOMO party, fear of missing out. Whether was cool, but not now. Things can I come up with? I don't know. Here it is. In the first portion of this parable we see in verses 11 through 16, we, we see the younger brother. We see him wanting the goodies and the sweeties of, of that dad can have with his inheritance, but doesn't want dad to come around as a spoil sport or some kind of cosmic killjoy. You know, I think our culture... And even in our own uh, realms of influence, it's not hard to understand how maybe people would easily see God as, oh, okay, if there's a God in our kind of Judeo-Christian context, yeah, if there's, a, if there's a God, then he must have everything and all that. That's not too big of a stretch. Uh, equally likely in our context is to see God as the cosmic killjoy. I don't want him ruining my fun. God's a 
Killjoy. It's a spoil sport. Negative Nancy. I like how, how, how Bill was reading that and, and to think that he wants, the, the younger son wanted his inheritance before his dad died. Does anyone feel that's weird? How many of you have in your will to literally give everything away before you die? And if you do, wow. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. But like, see, he's like, basically, Dad, I don't really care about you. You're as good as dead to me. Let me take the money and run. And if his brother, older brother, was correct... I'm going to go party, I want the hookers, I want the ladies, I want the stuff. Let's be honest. Here's the proclamation of the YOLO party. Joy is found at the end of the rainbow, the pot of gold. It's not actually there. You see, I, I think I must have either drifted off during earth science or just never learned it, um, but that a rainbow isn't actually a bow, so you can all feel free to judge me because I just relearned that this year. Um, it's actually an entire circle. It just looks like a, a semicircle from our point of view. If you were to take like an outer space view or whatever, it's, it's a circle. So really, I love geometry, love geometry. There is no end to it. There's no end to the circle. You just keep going. There's no end to the line. There's no point. There's no corner. You just keep going around. And you keep trying to find the next shiny thing. And then all of a sudden, you're dizzy, like a dog chasing its tail. <laughs> and everyone can see that you're foolish, but you don't feel foolish because you're convinced that you're going to find ultimate joy in something, the new, the shiny, the stuff. It's an appetite that's never satisfied. The writer of Ecclesiastes, every few years I read Ecclesiastes because it is a healthy dose of reality. And uh, about halfway through, the writer refers to humans as having wandering appetites. That doesn't just mean cuisine. Uh, Paul, in the, the, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to his letter to the church in Philippi. He explains or describes people who are not finding their, uh, their joy in Jesus or, uh, as such as the God, their God is their bellies. It's characterized by the shiny, the sensual. I don't just mean sexual, although that's part of it. The thing that I can sense, my five senses, and can get me that hit of dopamine that I'm looking for. And then, of course, problems come. The famine comes, the food runs out, the money runs out, the honeys walk away, and famine hits. And he does what many of us would think to be respectable. You get the job. <laughs> Call that impulsive obedience. Maybe I can fix the problem, the train wreck that I've created, by being responsible. So really, if you look at a plane of existence of things he tried, he tried the stuff, tried the money, tried the honey, tried, okay, now let's try hard work. Let's try that. Not that that's a bad thing. But he was trying to obey apart from the compassion of his father on his own terms. Obedience that's divorced from the compassion of the father is doomed to fail. Filthy rag, as the Bible calls it.
the YOLO party. The next party is the checklist party. You may not think of the older brother as a partier. I submit to you, however, that maybe he is. Called the checklist party. The checklist party says that joy is found at the end of the list. Yes, I am at this party, which is really weird. I was thinking about it. This is my party, yet I'm wearing a kilt. It looks like I'm a younger brother who's confused with the older brother. I don't get that. But anyways, the checklist party. You kind of do all the things right. Stoic. <clears throat> Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get her done. I do the right thing. I like how Bill's, Bill said there, I, your older brother. I do all the right things. I've, I've, all, I've never disobeyed you. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> but you think you have. I mean, probably, largely, he was probably a very upstanding citizen. You would have looked at him and said, hmm, respectable. He would very easily fit in at any church. And the, the party comes, and if, you're, if you attend this party frequently, then you know what I'm talking about. Like, on the outside, you're cool, calm, and collected. On the inside, when you put something off your list, you got like one of those magnum sharpies. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're like checking it off. You're like party, like streamers are going off, like all inside. No one sees it, but it's happening on like the inside. You're so stoked. You put checklists on your checklist so that when the checklist is done, you can check it off too. Some of you are like, oh no, that's me. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? And you think I'm crazy. That's, that's okay. <laughs> Never actually comes because you know what happens when you get to the end of your list, right? get kind of like, mm, you start twitching, need to do something. Mm. And then you find something to busy yourself with and you can't just rest. Sabbath is like hell for you. And when stuff comes back on the list, you both love it and hate it at the same time. You are hate it because you're like, oh no, more stuff. <gasps> Ooh, but more stuff to check off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, you just got to good glimpse into my inner life. <laughs> the characteristics of this party, of course, are rules. Rules aren't bad. Rules are good. I love rules. Okay, I'll be honest with you. And they can become a god. The thing that I search that if I can just do all the things, then maybe God will like me. Maybe God won't hit me. Jealousy. Is another characteristic. Jealous of all the younger brothers, really on the inside, you're like, I wish I could be as free-spirited as you. I had a friend uh, named Ken Leap. He was like the, the quintessential artist archetype in Runnymede, where I moved from, New Jersey. And he was like a butterfly. <laughs> he flitted everywhere, and we would joke around. He said he'd be jealous of me, like, man, you really have some structure and discipline. And, and uh, I would say, I'm really jealous of you. Like, you could literally be anywhere <laughs> and be okay and somehow make life work. And some of it was in jest, but yeah, inside my heart, there was jealousy at many points of the younger brother. It's also characterized by far-sightedness, where usually that's a positive attribute, but far-sighted insofar as a control sense that I'm going to play the life of chess. <laughs> I'm always several moves ahead. 
I'm going to plan, I'm going to plan. And planning is good. Read Proverbs. <laughs> planning is good. And it can become a God thing. And all of a sudden, poof, you don't need God anymore. Because you got this. Kind of like the older brother. He completely missed the blessings of the father because he was so obsessed with the rules. What the father say in verse uh, 31, I think it is, where he says, everything I have is yours. Like, did you not know that all this time? Implication. My blessings have always been here. But you have your hands so full of rules, you missed it. Yola party, checklist party, lost and found party. You know, at, at some point, the younger brother realized that grabbing joy for himself is like grabbing the fog. It's there. Grab it. And your hands are empty. You know, you can't receive anything with your hands full. So, it's really awkward to receive an embrace. If any of you tried to hug me, it'd be super awkward with me holding on to this. My hands are so full, like the Younger brother, he could say, look, the, the compassion, the embrace of my father is boring. Oh, hum. It's not shiny enough. Or like the older brother, you could be having in your hands so tightly clenched. You could say the love and the embrace of the father is just too easy. It's irrelevant. You may not say that with your mouth, but you believe that. But when you drop the stuff, all of a sudden your arms are open and can receive the embrace of the Father. Because you see, when the son came to himself, there, the last part, the middle portion, at verses 17 through 24, came to himself. Even his self-salvation project <laughs> failed. He came back. And at, at the end of himself, because that's where joy is found at the lost and found party, at the end of yourself. At the end of that rope, ironically, you are found. So it's the lost and found party. The characteristics of this party are humility. Humility that says, I have to accept the fact that I am either lost, don't know Jesus, or even as a follower of Jesus, I am behaving as a lost person would. Searching for joy in empty wells that just cannot satisfy Never meant to. Hmm. Courage is another element 
of this type of party. Courage, it takes courage to admit you don't got it all together and that you have to depend on another, on the embrace of the Father. There's a reason why it's, it can be difficult to say that to people who don't yet know Jesus. It's because somewhere inside of us we find that as we don't always have mustered courage to declare that. Spend time at the lost and found party, you'll find some courage. Also at the lost and found party, there's a sense of freedom. Not having to be attached to these failed attempts at finding joy like a ball and chain. You can run and not grow weary. Mount up on wings as of eagles, as one of the prophets said. Problem. <laughs> Just like we will all drift to sleep tonight at some point, or maybe tomorrow, depending on, I think it was Anthony in the back. At some point, you're all going to drift to sleep. In like fashion, you and I will drift away from the embrace of the Father. Let's not pretend otherwise. So I would encourage you, and we're going to go over a few practical notes before we close, to consistently, constantly return to the embrace of the Father and there find true joy. What I'll say is develop a taste for humble pie. Just like uh, coffee or beer or vegetables or whatever. Like things have an acquired taste to them over time. Humble pie is like that. At first, <clears throat> kind of bitter. But over time, you develop the taste. And yeah, it still has a bit of a kick on the front end. <laughs> but then you realize the sweetness of it. And how it leads you in a direction to be on your face for Jesus to receive, yet again, as a member of the lost and found party, the embrace of the Father. To be found, to belong. The longer, the longer you stay at this lost and found party, the more that you will actually start to become like the Father the more that you will actually start to have and mimic his compassion to other people who are wandering. It's very much in line. If you, if you know, if you've been a part of the York Alliance for any amount of time, you know that we define a disciple of Jesus as someone who is with Jesus, who becomes like Jesus and does the things Jesus did. It's very easy to see that in this particular passage. You, you let, let your mind wander a bit and say, yeah, if the younger brother, he obviously came to the end of himself, the longer he stays at the end of himself and receives the love of the Father, he will then, I don't know, maybe grow up and have his own kids one day and have similar compassion. Have compassion on other wanderers. If he was to meet someone else whose story might be like his, 
So where have you been looking for joy? Outside of Jesus, outside of the embrace of the Father. In other words, where, in you, where have you and I been drinking out of the toilet? Maybe it is material stuff. I mean, that is, is an easy one to pick on. Maybe it's your gadgets from Christmas, your clothes, your whatever, your new home or, or the portfolio or the bank account or whatever. If I, just, if I could just get this or have that, or have the iPhone and have that phone and have this, then I'll be happy. And you would never say that. And not that it's wrong to even have any of those things. It's perfectly good. Paul tells Timothy, hey, encourage the rich to enjoy things, paraphrase, in the right order. <laughs> All right? So not, nothing wrong with those things, but has your heart latched onto them as something to give ultimate joy? How about the, maybe it is holidays and vacations and parties for you. Like you just, you can't survive. If you didn't have that annual vacation, as healthy as they are, by the way, but if you didn't have that, your life would like fall apart. Didn't have the vacation or the holiday or whatever. It is in fact possible to worship the Sabbath. How about your abilities, career, education, hard work? Good things. And feel, yes, it does feel good. There's, there's a reward in working hard. Absolutely. And it can become number one in your life. Where we try to fill this, this, this void with hard work and as if that will give us true joy. Maybe it's relationships. It could be family of origin. You want to fix stuff in your family, your your immediate family now could be uh, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the spouse, the fiance. Could be your social media presence. Could be how many hits and follows and likes. And I don't even know. I'm not cool enough to know the current platforms. So whatever the cool new platforms are, those things. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's on the other side of it. Maybe where it's from false relationships. Well, these these aren't really the good things that become bad things. These are just unhealthy. But like porn is very much a problem in our world. Why? Because there's a hope of joy in it. You wouldn't do it if it didn't offer you something. Or maybe you're, um, you're at odds with your spouse and you're trying to find or solicit attention outside of your marriage and you enjoy that attention from someone else other than your spouse and you're like, maybe that'll give me joy. Ah, no, it won't. And those things are also unhealthy. Um, but those are things that plague our culture that we just never talk about. Could be uh, ministry, volunteerism, uh, you know, again, preaching a sermon to, to uh, cleaning the bathrooms, to playing the guitar, to teaching kids ministry, to fill in the blank, whatever you're doing to serve and love others. Maybe you uh, volunteer with one of our uh, local partners, you go on missions trips and Man, that's awesome. I want to find joy in that. And yes, Jesus did say after the, uh, the situation with the woman at the well, like, they're like, where'd you find your bread? He's like, well, I have bread you don't know about uh, because my food is to do the will of the Father. And so there's a, there's a satisfaction, there's a joy, even from Jesus, that says doing the will of the Father inherently has joy following it. Yes, and you can worship it. All of those things I mentioned I have struggled with. What do we do? Turn from these, turn towards God. It's a very 
core level of repentance. And it's not just behavior modification. Stop doing the wrong thing, start doing the right thing. Tell me how that works. <laughs> it doesn't. I'll have a couple ideas for you, and then we'll land the plane here. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to expose these things. Because they're sinister. They're subtle. They want to not be found out. And if you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you, to reveal that thing which is getting in between the relationship between you and the Father, he is more than obliged to answer. Be ready for the answer, though. That's a pro tip. Number two, confess that they are empty vessels of joy. They can't actually give you what you're looking for. Number three, confess, right? Speak the truth. We talked about earlier with, uh, when Kevin was mentioning that up front. Speak the truth that God can fill the void better. I want to spend just a moment on this one. Let's pick an example, an easy one that probably all of us have dealt with at some point. It's not just, okay, you want a relationship. That's a good thing. Relationships are good. What do you really want? Let's just say, for example, run with me with an illustration. You want acceptance. You don't want to be rejected. You don't want to feel abandoned. You want to be accepted. So when I say ask how Jesus can fill that void better, saying, what's, that, what's the core of what I'm looking for in this other thing? And how can Jesus, how does he fill that better? How does he fill the cracks of my life in such a way that I can then healthily engage the gifts that he has given me? That's, the, that, that's a tough one. That's not an easy answer. It's not easily come by. Because it requires a little bit of like open heart surgery, so to speak. Number four, I would say engage in community for mutual aid. I, my tendency is to be a loner. Uh, I'll, I'll be the lone ranger kind of personality, whatever. So I have to, maybe I'm just telling this to myself, I don't know, that I have to continually engage community because I'm struggling with things, you're struggling with things, and we can, uh, as the Bible says, iron sharpening iron. We can uh, encourage each other more and more, spurring each other on to love and good deeds more and more as we see the day of the Lord drawing near, so to speak. It is important to have that community, community groups or discipleship partners or something like that. Number five, show the Father's compassion to others. I think it's important to put in there because as you you recognize the empty, emptiness of what you're trying and how Jesus then fills it in a better way, now all of a sudden you are set free to show that same compassion to others. And love them, love the wanderer, love the traveler, love the sojourner. <laughs> love those who you might otherwise find some kind of social repulsion from. I want to have the music team uh, kind of make their way up, but I want to just remind you that the, uh, the altar either side here is open for you to engage this stuff. It's real. It's life. We're all part of it. None of, there's no one here that is holier than you. If you're in Christ, we're all on a level playing ground. Shame that would keep you from dealing with this stuff is a liar. So I would encourage you, whether it's engaging your body and coming up here to pray or to, in your own uh, space to engage the Lord in this, I would encourage you, do it. 
If, uh, if you come up to this side, uh, you can come up and just pray by yourself. Just kind of have, a, have that space on your own. If you want to come on to this side, you can come up and pray, and you can have someone pray for you, with you, over you. Uh, and there'd be plenty here who would be happy to do that. But that's there to help you in your journey to find true joy in the embrace of the Father. Let's go ahead and talk to him. That would make sense, wouldn't it? God, you are our Father. You are a good Father. You are a perfect Father. You are more perfect than the most amiable Father that's ever walked this planet. You know how to engage your children with much more wisdom than we could even consider. We confess these things to be true. And Lord, please forgive us for finding joy in any spot other than you. Spirit, I pray that you would expose in my life again, in people's lives here, where that's happening. Show us what the true feast is like with you. Please welcome us back home. Please grant us repentance to turn from our wickedness towards you. In the name of Jesus, who loved us first. Amen.